those of you who've been able to tune in the past couple of weeks, you've joined us as we have reflected on theology from the bridge. Lessons we might learn from the metaphor of bridge negotiations with negotiating our very lives. Two Sundays ago, we reflected on bridge walks, and more specifically, I, I talked a bit about the swinging bridges I grew up with in the Appalachian Mountains and I talked about the sloping bridge in Florida that has, it's a mile long with a challenging slope. And I talked a bit then as well, friends, about dark bridge walks. Those times when life is scary and complicated and seems to be upside down in a way that dark bridge walks can be difficult. And that week when we talked about bridge walks, we were reminded that no matter the bridge walk, pleasant or challenging, God is with us. Last week we moved from bridge walks to bridge talks with a reflection on Ephesians, a letter written to our ancient faith ancestors and even more specifically to the faithful saints, that is those who had been seen as the most committed and the most being for real about their faith journey. And the admonition to those saints to not only walk the walk, but talk the talk, and vice versa. Indeed, our walk and our talk should be congruent, and that's not an easy thing to do. Listen, we can attend church every time the doors are open, but if we leave church and then only continue to degrade others and judge others or use language and social media to tear each other apart, we're not following the God walk or the God talk. And we talked about how difficult that is. Difficult to live a life of full authenticity. And I don't know about you, but after the last couple of weeks with the Democratic Convention followed by the Republican Convention, it has left me just spent emotionally and physically. Just so much anxiety, so much balancing for what each of us believe to be the prophetic witness on one hand and on the other hand using language and posting things that build up instead of take apart it is so hard to know when to hold them when to fold them when to walk away and when to run it's likely the toughest balance for me in my life friends so please pray for me and I mean that seriously because leading up to this contentious election, we all need to be in prayer for clarity and balance, for authenticity and unity as we go along. And remember, our faith journey can lead us in that. This morning, we will reflect on bridge detours. Detours. Ugh, I hate them. Listen, my margin of error relative to time is very small. In that juggling my role as a small business owner much less during the COVID crisis and managing my role as one of the pastors of this beloved church and sprinkling in a bit of realtor work here and there, well, let's just say that since 2006 when I entered seminary and I was working full-time and going to seminary full-time and one semester I added being a student minister while also being a chaplain at the VA hospital, woo, it's a lot. And the chaotic schedule hadn't let up a lot since 2006. My employees, and some of them watched uh, our services, but my employees know that when I do land at our business office, I have a very clear agenda, 
and a specific and challenging task list to accomplish. God help them if they choose to interrupt. You know, I've thought about putting a warning sign on my door at the office and posting it because truth be told, I can be a bit unpleasant when interrupted by what I think is a petty question. And the truth is, that's usually the issue. That I think a question they might need to ask me is petty and forget they are the employees running my business. My margin of time management is thin. And I just don't have time for business detours or for road detours on my way to the office. Do road detours bug you? I mean, really, I cannot understand why the city of Lexington does not consult with me or at the very least make me aware when they plan to do road work on the route from my house to my office. If they could at least let me know, I could adjust my time. It's not too much to ask, is it? But I'm telling you, everywhere you go in Lexington, there's a detour. I'm going to have to start being a little proactive, I guess, instead of rolling in on two wheels late everywhere and leave a little earlier. But that's not how bridge detours or road detours of life work all the time. Usually the detours appear out of nowhere and they take us off our stable grounding. And sometimes they even take our breath. This morning I shared one of my favorite scripture passages in all the Bible. And I can give witness that it's a passage I've relied on so many times during my own life's bridge detours. When a relationship's been fractured with a significant other or a family member or a friend, even when I caused the fracture, especially when I've caused the fracture, I can pull this scripture out and have that no matter how badly I screwed up, nothing can separate me from the love of God. When a financial crisis hit and bankruptcy was the only way out, I somehow managed to flip the page to this scripture when I felt like a total failure and an embarrassment to my parents. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. When a best friend died from cancer after a brave two-year battle, and before the tear wells could dry up, a 39-year-old niece was diagnosed with cancer and died just 60 days later. When a nephew succumbed to drug overdose in 2005, when my biological dad died in 1988, and just last year, my bonus dad's simple surgery turned out to be not quite so simple. And an unusual and unnecessary complication took his life. See, after all of these extraordinarily difficult moments in the depths of grief and despair, I could pull out this scripture. Nothing can separate me from God's love. Oh yeah. When I've negotiated the bridges of society's look down upon me, for even after marriage equality, those of us who identify as LGBT, I can still hear the murmurs of your marriage is less than, or worse yet, your lifestyle is an abomination. Oh, how many times I've needed to turn to these pages and not only read, but soak in the reality of God's promise and assurance. Nothing 
can separate me from the love of God. I wonder, friends, this morning, what detours have you been through? What roads have been closed unexpectedly? Has it been roads to loved ones or financial security? Have roads to church acceptance been blocked in the name of God? God have mercy. How about roads to friendships that took detours, sometimes lasting years, and, and other times a detour sign was never removed? What bridge detours are you facing this morning? Weariness from all things COVID. Mask or no mask, test or no test, non-compliance or compliance, school not the same, work not the same, social gatherings not the same, church not the same, even funerals not the same. And what about the everyday life detours? Marriage is on the rocks, friendships gone astray, political divisions taking over. Brothers and sisters, this passage in Romans seeks to remind us that no matter what the bridge detour is, planned or not, no matter what the life detour is, no matter how bad it seems, how hopeless it seems, how desperate it is, no matter if we are the cause of the problem or simply an innocent recipient, nothing, nothing can se separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Now let's recall the context of this scripture. The Apostle Paul was writing to the early Christians in Rome. And remember friends, the Roman Empire was the same empire that killed Jesus. And so for anyone in that community to profess believe in this crucified rabbi and dare to claim him as their Messiah, well let's just say there would be hell on earth to pay. We can imagine, maybe, how full of anxiety these early Christians were from seeing their Savior being murdered in the most horrific way, an intentional message to them of, look, you can be next on the cross, to them being threatened in any number of ways if it were discovered that they were a believer. Oh yeah, there was some real anxiety going on here, friends. Their very lives depended on this promise of God's unconditional love and amazing grace. And they, like us, experienced detours. Bridges of hope collapsed. Bridges of economic well-being closed. Bridges of relationship with friends and family members convinced that they had lost their minds to follow this religious cult, as it was called. Their life was difficult and uncertain. And what would be coming around the corner was anyone's guess. And on that, I think we might be able to relate more than we ever have before in our history. It is in this context that comes this message from Paul. Paul, whose primary focus was a ministry to the Gentiles, the non-Jews. The Gentiles who were thought for centuries to be outside of God's circle. Denied entry to the temple, rejected by the church. Gentiles whose only claim was based on the witness of Jesus who they'd seen crucified. We might not judge them if they had chosen to exit stage right and return to their pagan lives. And yet they didn't. Why? And why don't we 
Are we ever tempted with life detours to just toss it in? I can give my truth here. Absolutely, I've been tempted. When life gets really hard and I look around and folks who seem pretty much like heathens to me are getting by with taking advantage of people and living like nobody matters to them but themselves. When I see people who appear to me to not be great human beings and yet they don't get sick, those they love don't seem to get sick, they seem to have financial security and all is right in their world. Or when my ministry is questioned or even mocked simply because of my sexual orientation. Oh yeah, there have been times I've been tempted to quit at the detour. To quit ministry. To quit sacrificing my time and energy and resources for others. Even tempted to quit life. I remember the temptation to quit life, especially after I lost my dad. In 1988, in a time or two before then, when my coming out resulted in alienation from my family and from the church I grew up with and thought loved me. Those were tough, tough times. But thanks be to God, I heard the echoes of the Apostle Paul's letter. And although I am keenly aware that letter wasn't written to me, I've made myself a voluntary recipient for I've needed to hear this confirmation and this assurance more times than not. And I know I'll still need these words in the days yet to come. Yet understand, church, and let's not miss this. This wasn't just another of Paul's letters. Rather, scholars believe it was Paul's last letter. So it was his parting message. And a message directly to those in the most dangerous, anxiety-filled crosshairs of bridge detours. Those who would have heard this message first had in their very recent review mirror the crucifixion of Jesus who they had bravely claimed as their Messiah. See, these early listeners knew to keep on guard because if found out, they could be the next person hanging on a cross. It was serious business and real risk and a long and unsettling bridge detour. And so Paul, attempting to give balm for their very anxious and heavy souls, gives this promise. And note something here, church. Never in the promise does Paul assure the early Christians or us that they will not have calamities or illness or relationship crisis, or financial ruin, or even death. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty thankful that Paul doesn't include an empty promise alongside an assurance that he expects us to hold on to. Because it'd make that assurance seem pretty empty as well, wouldn't it? He didn't promise that nothing will happen to them, or to us. Rather, what Paul promises is that nothing will separate them, any of them, from the love of God. Where we identify ourselves as heathen or angel or somewhere in between, that's the promise. No matter what we've done, good or bad, no matter who we've been, righteous or not, religious or hellion, 
Nothing separates any single one of us from God. And just as we get comfortable with that assurance, we got to read and remember that it was written to everybody. <laughs> it's for them as well. In whatever way we see them. Sometimes I've learned that roadblocks and detours are just what we need. Even when we don't realize it. For in the heat of our battles and the long to-do list, we're called to remember not only who we are, friends, but whose we are. And let's be honest, sometimes the bridge detours of life can take us in ways we would have never found ourselves, much less chosen to take. Sometimes those detours take us by rose bushes we would have never passed by, much less slowed down enough to smell. Lessons learned when the route in life we choose or we're most comfortable with is circumvented by some person or some group or some issue that stops us in our preconceived best or right pass. And it might even resemble God sometimes. I get it. Detours are not fun. Troubled waters are not the waters we yearn to maneuver. And yet, life happens. Who will separate us from the love of God? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or COVID? Hear this response not from Paul but from God our Creator. Neither death nor life, neither things present nor things to come, not powers, not height, not depth, not anything in all creation, not anything can separate us, any of us, from the love of God. Brothers and sisters, no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, no matter where you are on your faith journey, whether the bridge of your life is expected and covers smooth waters or whether it just seems like one large detour over troubled waters. I want you to hear. God will never forsake you. Or me. Or us. Or them. Nothing in all creation can separate us from the love of God. May every bridge detour and life detour be granted the opportunity for us to learn that, to believe that truth, and to rely on that assurance. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.